This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello out there in the vast expanse of pandemic America, and maybe, (laughs) hey, to some of our international friends as well if you're listening i am on the germany charts i just want to say shout out to germany Germany. we do well on yeah hello germany uh it seems like things are going international yeah it seems like things are going better for you there than they are for us here and i'm I'm really glad for you in that um leadership at a federal level is a wonderful thing um but yeah welcome to welcome back to disaster girls it is i jordan cruciola and it's me amanda smith And we are dipping back into the archives for this episode to, honestly, a real chiller with the Day of the Animals. And I gotta say, this one, this one uh, shook me up a bit with its very graphic presentations of animal-on-man violence that were very much animals attacking stunt people, like viciously attacking stunt people. This this was not puppetry. This was not. This was not CGI. Yeah, the birds. The birds were definitely not. The yeah. birds were just. They covered a stuntman in a bunch of like bird feed and then just let him go. Yeah, and the dogs too. Yeah, that's true. The dogs. The, oh my god. We'll get in. Yeah, the dogs on the raft was was almost upsetting. Yeah. This is a 1977 movie. Rules and restrictions were a little different at the time, and uh, I'm looking forward to us getting into what was this what this movie was really about eventually, but. Uh, as a as just a summary, uh, this movie is about uh, a group of people, which in a very 1970s way, it feels like in a, in a much more like earlier iteration of America, a group of strangers have come together for like a nature hike and led by um, a man of the woods who is like, you know, gets he leads paid tours and he's going to take them through like up up in the peaks of this like um, forest area. And they have like little allegedly, theoretically, they would have like tent tents and camp set up at increments along the way for them to camp over the course of like two or three nights. And there would be food waiting for them at those junctures. Well, on the day of the animals, well, just day of the animals, uh, we learn pretty quickly from news broadcasts that the environment is the environmental catastrophe is on its way because of a depletion in the ozone layer that is affecting especially high altitude areas. And as our hikers get further into their journey, the effects of this ozone problem are starting have there's there's deleterious deleterious effects on the local animal population and they start rising up against their their human tormentors oppressors infringers upon their habitat and things get pretty desperate up there in the in the woods for our hikers it's uh yeah things and and it eventually extends out to humans as well you know humans are animals so that is not beyond our ability yes but uh I just I let's kick off with the reality index of this with the opening scroll. <laughs> which, yeah. Like I, I thought back to I think it was called it was black hole with the energy monster where they're like oh scientists say that a black hole isn't like that this isn't possible they were wrong and I was like that's yeah. the boldest statement that an opening scroll can make <laughs> and 
I gotta say, um, the opening scroll saying this motion picture dramatizes what could happen in the near future if we continue to do nothing to stop this damage to nature's protective shield for life on this planet. And they emphasize could and if in all caps. <laughs> and from that moment on, I was just like, there is no reality index. It's all out the window because at this point, <laughs> they have said this could happen if they have put, they, they have made this like, Anything could happen, technically. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, yeah, they weren't like, they, they put it right out there that this is a potential outcome, one of maybe many. It but is no interesting. One, no one knows for sure that animals over 5,000 feet wouldn't just start conspiring. It is interesting that, because like environmentalism was picking up a lot in the 1970s. Like that was much more a conversation that was happening. Chlorofluorocarbons, ozone depletion, like what is it? Even the movie The Good Guys, the the with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, like a subplot of that entire movie is that pollution is so bad in Los Angeles from the traffic and no environmental regulations on cars that like people are staging protests where they're like laying it down as though they're dead in in on the sidewalks in the street um, to protest government inaction on the environment. So it is it is de rigueur at the time. It is fascinating to me that they were like, you know what, we really got to push this environmentalism message. We've really got something to say here. We're not going to make this like a we're not going to make this a natural disaster movie in the sense of a weather event. We're going to translate ozone depletion to every animal imaginable going fucking nuts and hunting down human beings. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, that's the could and the if is what we're going to do here is that the animals will rise up, not seemingly from because it's it's not like a let's or it's not like animals suddenly deciding let's organize and pre- like destroy the humans that have destroyed the environment it is the ozone depletion has resulted in a virus that has seized the animal population and some humans and that's how we're gonna we're gonna live out this metaphor okay yeah yeah this is not the the thing i was disappointed by is that like there wasn't a great sense that the animals were purposefully conspiring Yes, they seem which to be is seized with a mania, it. which is what I wanted yes. as well. And I wonder, yeah. you know, there was that show Zoo. It was um, much that more the, CBS. Much the rabies thing. It was much more the rabies, yeah. like gone it was mad. Like had, yeah, it's like they had like they they had some sort of apocalypse rabies situation. Yeah, um, yes. and I did. I wanted. I did really want that. Like, I mean, I got a little bit of it because I felt like there was a hawk who really knew what was going down. It seemed like, like there was it. one hawk in particular who I was like, oh, yeah, that's the ringleader. That one's in charge. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that always seemed there always seemed to be these very menacing close ups of the hawk right before one of the animals attacked. Yeah. Um, like it was like he was I wanted an old major like. Yeah. You wanted a Muja disciple. Yeah. I wanted a Muja disciple. I wanted an old major in the tradition of Animal Farm to be like, follow that cougar. He will lead us to battle. But it was just like, and that was, again, we'll get to this in the what was this movie about, but it, yeah. I, if you want to hammer that message home, don't make it randomized. Don't make yeah. it irrational attacks by animals. Because like, I, and like the idea of um, a, a sun-induced, radiation-induced temporary virus was like, come on, give the animals more credit yeah. than that. That was, I mean, and that's kind of my sticking point, and that's going to really inform a lot of how I rate this movie because yeah. I liked like a good half of it 
and I did. And I did. I really I enjoyed parts of it, but that the the reveal at the end was such a cop out of like we ran out of time and budget, and I was very annoyed by that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, there wasn't because like the scariest thing about animals in a lot of ways to me. <laughs> Just, Which is, is a broad great, statement. A dorm room statement. The scariest thing about animals, man. <laughs> it is. Okay, so, it'll, that's you know, when I do the deep thoughts with Woody Bellinger, none of that is done yeah. like, oh, it's my brain. Like, that's just yeah. the side of my brain that I'm like, yeah. I'm going to let that one out today. <laughs> uh, but the scary thing about animals to me is, like, the coordinated attack aspect of it. Yeah, the muja aspect. Because the crawl the aspect. aspect. Like, a wolf pack is scary. A bunch of cougars suddenly cougars are so are solitary hunters. If yeah. three cougars decide to gang up on you, that's the raptors in the in the wheat field. Like that's a very good point. Yeah. Coordinated attacks from animals are scary. Oh and my so, god. They're I mean, you're unless you have a gun yeah. and it fires rounds off rapidly, you're not going to be able to do anything about a dozen German shepherds deciding right. They're gonna rip you apart piece by piece. There's nothing guess, you're gonna no, there's do. There's nothing you can do. And to go back to last year's viral tweet, there's a reason that that guy said thirty to fifty feral hogs. Thirty to fifty because feral hogs. Thirty man. to fifty feral hogs is a lot of fucking hogs in one place, and that <laughs> is a scary is. concept. Yeah, no, that's that's a lot of nature bearing down on you with like one because presumably in that moment too like with these animals being the thing that makes them extra vicious in this like it, taking away the planning aspect which would have been really cool what you sub in for that is a sort of mindless viciousness to where these animals are not concerned with their own survival so even if one felt threatened they would probably not give a shit and keep eating uh, the body of somebody even if you could you could start like kicking them laying into them tearing them off of you and it would be like no prime directive is to kill and that's the only thing they're adhering to yeah they even um you know the the camp guide even at one point is like we need more fire because they're afraid of fire and then we immediately see that they're not afraid of fire anymore they set that yeah. up and knock that down real fast of like no 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 even the instinctive things are gone yeah and I, which i liked that i of that aspect of it. I just wanted to see, like I said, more coordinated attacks, but also yeah. I would have liked to have seen more animals cross species crossover. Yeah, like, that would have been cool. I would have liked, like, just in terms of the believability of the animal attacks, I felt like the clicks that existed within the animals was a little surprising. I liked that the birds, all te that all the birds were like, fuck it, we're all in this together. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, they were just, they were like, okay, vulture, you've got this. Owls, come on in. Like, all of us, we're all, all yeah. the raptor species are doing this. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, you know, if we're going to get, if we're going to get apocalypse animals, give me some wolves who chase the humans directly into the into the panthers like the pumas give me that yeah 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 i what i the the strength in this as of believability of this movie is that again that it is the the 1970s that this is all pretty much done practically yeah. these are vicious looking attacks with some of these animals like you said the birds this is a stunt woman one woman meets her end after being first mauled by a wolf like she's just laying by the campfire it approaches from the darkness and starts attacking her face so the next morning her and her husband who she is very angry at for devoting too much of his life to his job as a lawyer um they're making their way down. They're going back down the trail to try and get uh, to the town. And 
they are they start getting stalked by a bunch of birds and who decide to attack. And this woman, they have a woman on the ground with just fucking 10 birds going crazy on her. And it's just screaming and flapping wings and blood. And it's like, oh, my God, this is just a stunt person covered in birds and screaming like it is viscerally upsetting watching some of these attacks and you know we we can thank the 70s and its production style for that yeah i mean there by you have you have those moments any of the moments you're like and that's a person wrestling like the only way they could have done this is having a person wrestling with a stuffed animal and so it's a real it's a real high and low mix but yeah when you realize like that is a woman just covered in birds yeah Um, yeah and and none of those birds i don't know i think this was like a comic i once saw who said like they feel bad for the animals, for the dogs, because the dogs never know they're in a movie. <laughs> and so, like, I was thinking that as I'm watching these birds just go to town on this woman, I'm like, these birds don't realize that this is not their final liberation. They can finally do what they've always <laughs> wanted to do. No, no, these birds are actors and they just don't know it. <laughs> That's why it was such an authentic performance from the birds. Yeah, it was very, it was, it was, it was, it was cinema verite, but with birds. <laughs> and they're, and because this is the 1970s, in the tradition of the 1970s disaster ensemble, you, we have all of our archetypes clearly laid out before us. Like there's oh, yeah. a, there's a woman journalist uh, who's intrepid. There is an asshole ad executive who thinks he's going to be there calling the shots. There is an indigenous man who it becomes like everyone defers to him in this situation because he is like the man of the land. He is a native. He is of the native, you know, he's a native member. Um, the, the, um, we have an out of place single mother who lives in Beverly Hills normally yeah, and is the, there we, with we, the son. We have the one kind of Jewish woman. Yeah, we have Belle Rosen. We have Belle Rosen who is out yeah. of her element, who yeah. doesn't understand, who like, would, you know, we should, you know, be somewhere where we should be at like, what did she say? One people like, we should be at like the Beverly Hills Hotel like any civilized person would be. Like, yes. It is yeah. emphasized there, for this she was, rich Los Angelino. She was like 10 seconds away from saying, what, you want I should sleep on the floor? Like, it yeah. was... <laughs> I expected her to pull out a loaf of rye bread and like make herself a, and make herself a sandwich. Like I got it from Nate and Al's. What you want? I should starve. Like, oh God. <laughs> did you did you feel like you'd met this woman, Amanda? Did you feel I like you'd grown up in a synagogue with this woman? I know that was the problem. Was like everything about this. I was like, oh no, I know who she's supposed to be, and it's not that because this is being played. <laughs> she's being played by like a woman who reads to me very waspy. Okay. And so it was. There was never a moment where I was like. Oh yeah, she like Bell Rosen feels Jewish. Uh-huh. Bell Rosen felt like like Shelley Winters was of the tribe. Like that was <laughs> that felt real. Um, this so reality like, index says this woman wasn't quite hitting the notes. She wasn't quite there, and but the, and every time she mentioned Beverly Hills, and I was just like, you gotta stop, lady. You can't. That's like <laughs> you're putting like air quotes around East Coast elite. Like let's <laughs> no. Um, but I did, I did, I did love like her little mini arc that she got that like, she's a single mother who willingly left her horrible husband and is trying to connect with her teenage son. And I loved that little like mini arc. 
as as we have uh, Mr. Santee, the native man who is who is on this excursion with these people, he is he becomes like the dispenser of wisdom. He basically becomes like the magical indigenous person who they have with them, kind of. And he is the foil for Leslie Nielsen's ad character, ad executive character, who's just a virulent racist, misogynist asshole. Even before I think yeah. the virus is taking hold of him, which I. It, I did not realize the virus affected people throughout this entire movie until at the very end they're like, oh, you know, we're bringing survivors down from the mountain. They appear to be immune. But then it talks about how it's affecting people, too. It's killing people, too, assuming making basically implying that everybody's kind of going rabid. This guy who succumbed to the ozone rabidity disease he just seemed like the, a version of himself. I thought he was just finally returning to like a state of nature where he could be a caveman clubbing people over the head and taking what he wanted. I didn't realize they were trying to convey that there was something wrong with him other than being a rich white man. <laughs> I didn't realize he had an ailment. I didn't realize he like, oh, something's especially wrong. I was like, finally, he's living up to his full potential and he's so happy. Like trying and, to like take women as like, property and rape them. Was- <laughs> Like he like fully like pointing at a woman being like, I take what I want. She's mine now. And like he stabs a guy at one point. He fully tries to wrestle a bear like he like, come on, you bastard. And like he's like he's going in for the for the bear attack, which eventually does kill him, obviously. Thank God. But like he just keeps getting worse and worse and more aggressive with the group leader and everybody in the group. And I was just like, oh, this is a piece of shit. And then at the end, they're like, oh, other people are getting sick, too. I was like. Even that guy? I thought that guy was just being himself. I thought Paul Jensen was just being himself. <laughs> At one point, he like refers to the, the the leader of the group as like, oh, you think you're the big mocker? And the, somebody asked him, like, what are you talking about? He goes, it's an, he's like, it's an ad executive term. It was like, oh my God. Like, it, Leslie Nielsen did such a great job of being that monstrous man. Like, that was just a version of like w- the wealth and privilege tainting a person to become a Trump. Like that was ex- like a Trump family member. That's exactly who it was. It felt so believable. Taking it to a point of hyperbole did not even register with me because it just felt so normal that this guy would start acting this way and go incredibly mad and start trying to rape women and kill men and like take his shirt off and lead a brigade of people through the forest because he's suddenly like hunter gatherer king yeah i I, it caught me off guard because i wasn't expecting that performance out of leslie nielsen like i just wasn't i just wasn't anticipating like when leslie nielsen shows up shirtless i was like what which is ha- why is Leslie Nielsen shirtless? Why is yeah? Because like he see before he has his shirt on, and then he's marching yeah. through the rain, and the next time we see him, shirt off. Yeah, no, and he's like, and this is after he's gone full purser and been like, we should yes. all go this way, and he leads like he half is of the them purser one way. Of the group. He's the he's the purser of the camping trip. <laughs> he leads half the group in one direction, um, and the other half stay like decides to keep going in another direction, um, and. When Leslie Nielsen's shirt comes off, and I was like, "That just I just didn't see a sh- Leslie Nielsen's torso coming." And then <laughs> when he starts threatening to rape the woman, then I was like, yes. "No, this seems wrong somehow." Like I had I was like, like yeah, this, is this is totally in line." Yeah, I I mean, you I you went all in on like this is just toxic masculinity corrupting yeah. acts. Absolutely, my, yeah, my misandry really just yeah. took over one. 
If it had been any other actor, I think that I would have just been like, oh, okay, he's just gone full. This is who he is. But because it was Leslie Nielsen in my head, I was like, no, 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 but he doesn't, he doesn't threaten to rape women. This has to be something <laughs> like, oh, you know what? I bet you it's the rabies. I bet you it's the space rabies. Like that's where, and then by the time, by the time that he was wrestling the bear, I was fully like, yeah, this is definitely the space rabies because, because the devil- because we didn't know it was space rabies by then, I thought it was coordinated attacks. Because, okay, they go through this whole journey, everybody, and, spoiler, resolves itself immediately in the last few minutes because it's gone through, like, the course of a couple days. It says, like, the day of the animals, but it's definitely, like, multiple days of animals. And then, but finally, after the last night of torment, they, people come to, they wake up, they've, they've made it out of the onslaught. And then a couple of our, like, the, the Beverly Hills woman, her son, and one more person have taken shelter in a downed helicopter. And they look out and all the animals are just dead. So at that point, I was like, wait, why did they die? And then they explained space rabies. And then I was like, wait, they didn't plan? The animals weren't planning this? They were just sick? So I had it didn't register for me that anybody had space rabies up to that yeah. point until the very end of the movie, let alone horrifying Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was just like, oh, the radiation or whatever is getting to him and like frying his brain and making us primal. Like that was yeah. kind of where my brain, I didn't know it was like space rabies, but I thought it was like, oh, his brain is being... <laughs> His brain is being fried, and that's right. Okay, him into into a rapist um, <laughs> and, and, and a bear wrestler, and um, really a cop out because it doesn't take space rabies to make men rapists. No, no, and rape culture only, not a product thing, of space rabies. The the only thing that like the only reason Leslie Nielsen in particular like that that character would not have maybe gone that route is because I don't believe that he would actually willingly fight somebody. Like yeah. I think he would be too much of a coward. Yeah, I so, think he would he would definitely have been a bully like yeah. once push back on him, he backs down kind of thing. He's a lot of bluster. Yeah, like I mean his his casual racism to aggressive yeah. racism with um with one of the two with the with the with the native guide was like he only he I only see. calls Daniel Santee Kimosabi and wonders yeah. why he gets mad and finds that disrespectful. Yeah. And, and like talks to him he, and, and like then occasionally speaks to him in like in like fake like 90 in in the sort of way that you would expect a white guy to like yeah. imitate an Indian man in 1977 yeah. in, in very much the like Peter Pan style of native speak yeah. of what makes the red man red how like me so and so you so and so it, it was bad it it's, is so uncomfortable it is so it's incredibly un- jarring yeah it, um, it, it, it's very believe it's like yep that's that kind of that's that kind of guy that's that kind of yeah. guy, kind of guy who does this uh-huh I believe totally, it totally believed it totally believed every moment of him for most of that trip like most of the trip from the beginning of it where he just like starts talking about all the things he knows and all that yes like he was gonna go on this trip and be an expert more yes. expert than the guides themselves yes and he's angry Which, that they couldn't bring weapons to kill shit yeah <laughs> on a nature I, hike. I, I'm surprised he didn't smuggle one. Yeah, no, that is that. Yeah, as far as reality index goes, it's actually it actually does seem to not follow through on the character that he didn't like bring a handgun with him. Yeah, like that he didn't bring a completely inappropriate, like shiny engraved pearl handled pistol with him to the woods to just like aimlessly shoot at shit. Yeah, because then we could have gotten a bear shooting him, and that would have been really satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 and and you know, to the reality of it talking about it's we start this movie with like 
we're, you know, things are, we, we hear murmurs of like things have been kind of weird up at high elevations lately. Like the townspeople are aware of this. The, I guess, sheriff is aware of it. And he's sitting in the local diner with his buddies and he hears the news broadcast talking about the ozone in a broadcast in which the journalist just keeps saying the word ozone like constantly. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, quiet, everybody. I want to hear this. And he's like, the dangerous depletion in the ozone layer. And they're talking about it like it is something acute and imminent and happening right now like a missile coming toward us the ozone something's happening it is on the approach this danger from the ozone layer being depleted due to man-made interference with the environment and it's it was like how are they going to localize this so much in this movie and at one point like somebody like the ozone conversation comes up and somebody says like yeah it feels different out there today it's like it doesn't feel different today because of ozone depletion you didn't it's not like today it's going to feel different oh i feel the thinness of the ozone it's like no this is a bigger longer term more (laughs) more just like an unnoticeable problem which is how we so easily ignored it for so long and then at one point there when things have gotten really bad and they've had to start evacuating high altitudes because they've noticed that it is affecting places more there presumably because of higher elevation thinness of the air etc and the a deputy is like on the phone with the sheriff and he's like this ozone thing's really hitting the fan (laughs) and i was like wow yeah it's just the acute strike of radiation piercing through the ozone. It's really hitting the fan right now, today, in this few chunk of hours. That's how it, that's how it could happen, Jordan. <laughs> I did everything in that, like, weird 1800 saloon that the deputy was in where we get... Because, like, we do, we're in this... We're in... It looks pretty much like... I'm assuming it's the Sierra Nevada somehow, somewhere. Okay. Like, it definitely was... That's what it looks like it was filmed in. It's within driving distance of LA, so I will yeah. trust you. Whatever you, whatever people I would can drive. I assume it's who. like the Southern Sierras. Um, okay, it looks a lot like that area, and there is something really like out of time when you go to the small towns up there. Yeah, where, I bet. And that's partly the aesthetic of it because the aesthetic yeah. is partly like we're we're mountain folk, and it's like yeah. because you're a tourist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that they go into the the, the the deputy or the sheriff goes into the saloon and it's everything about it looks like it could be from like a Wayne, a John Wayne movie, yeah. except for the tube television in the corner. <laughs> it's true. It's but true. the one but, and, the, and the dudes all sitting around and like the guys are sitting there and there's a couple of them. They're like, I don't believe any of this. This is just the media getting this all worked up about yep. something. I was like, wow, Fake all news. of this is Americans don't change, do we? Like no, we are constant. Yeah, those There's would have been reaction in that. Those climate skeptics felt very real. Those climate skeptics oh, yeah. felt very real. And you know what? At least those climate skeptics in 1977 could get more of a pass. Yeah. This is this is 2020 and those exact climate spe- skeptics still exist and it's like you guys, at least the 1977 people were 50 fucking years ago. Like, come yeah. on. That, like that was that was a new conversation we were having at the time. We made Day of the Animals in 1977. What more catching up do you need to do? <laughs> do you have Day of the Animals? Are you not concerned? They should be. This is a cautionary tale. Oh man, is it? Of what could happen if we continue to ignore Earth's protective layer, but. No, it was there. They were not concerned. They I mean, there was the guy who was like, it feels different, which also is like the one dude who's always like, oh, yeah, I know that 
global warming is real because it was hot yesterday and you're like well exactly. that's also not that's also <laughs> not science yeah <laughs> like you got the right idea here buddy but the execution's a little off <laughs> on this one this ozone thing's really hitting the fan amanda <laughs> this ozone thing's really hitting the fan <laughs> you know as you can say it's a commonly yeah. used phrase jordan <laughs> it is kids, yeah i love the uh, a thing that a thing that i am really glad for about this movie is that being a product of its time you never really know who's gonna make it out alive and oh, yeah. we see this town evacuating after in an incredible sequence the sheriff is attacked by a cluster of mice <laughs> who, who have seized upon his leftovers and are hiding under the foil and when it gets lifted off he like turns back around from the fridge and sees a dozen mice on top of like a roast chicken and they just start leaping off the table attacking him yeah they have like little springs on their feet they have rockets attached to their tiny mouse feet and they are flying at this guy and he's peeling them off his face and they're cutting him up and that's when he know that's when he's finally willing to buy in that something really scary and and strange is happening so we see like the town attempting to evacuate the next time we come back to that town it's clear those people did not get out Everybody died. The streets are littered with bodies. There are snakes filling up cars so people cannot leave. Cars have been disabled, presumably by, like, cords and wires being ripped out of place. Like, in in that, that, it added to the dissatisfaction of the ultimate reason at the end. Because I'm looking at the poster for the movie right now. And it like it's a great anim- it's a great illustrated poster of all these animals in attack position. It says for centuries they were hunted for bounty, fun, and food. Now it's their turn. Again, this all plays into the choreographed aspect of what I wish this movie would have been, and not just some accident of space rabies. Because like really, the space rabies were resulting in like every rattlesnake within a hundred miles convening in one car to make sure a guy can't get to make sure somebody can't get in and start it. Like no, that's not an accident. That's a plan. Like these yeah. animals are planning. Let them have the agency of assembling to take us down in a way that would be very understandable. I agree. I think that also, it well, one, if we're talking about the poster for a second, I'm just pulling this one back up. Like, <laughs> it felt like we were promised a lot more kind of, oh, wow, you even have Leslie Nielsen in a little corner with a sharp stick with a bear. Yeah. But it did. I did kind of feel like that, the, the the mountain lion looked a lot more liony. I just felt like we were promised a little bit more coordinated danger. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. and it, it feels it, yeah, and it, and a missed opportunity truly because I don't know that I believe that that many snakes can do anything without like one snake signaling with its tail. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see a snake giving signals. Yeah, I want to see snakes slithering down the street together to arrive in one location, which is yeah. more a feat of what what uh, digital paintbrushing would give us now. But I I do. Also, wouldn't you love to see the set that day where they just have to unleash like seventy snakes down a corridor and hope for the best? <laughs> yeah, just hope, just hope. Yeah, like just people like off like off camera, just pushing them with those like snake hook things, just trying to keep them yeah. in place, wearing like bite proof suits. Yeah, the whole the idea of coordinating this movie seems insane. Like I would love to see some sort of like Blu-ray restoration liner notes. Give this one the criterion treatment, people. Come on. There's there's much to know about what's going on here. I very much believed, of course, as always, I very much believed that there would be a contingent of people 
who would be like, no, we know better. We're going to throw ourselves into an impractical plan and follow this asshole. We're going to follow the purser and throw ourselves yeah. into certain more mortal danger because we're fucking idiots. Like, yes, oh, that would yeah. definitely happen. That idiocy would happen. Yeah, I believe, I mean, granted, I don't think that the that the guides really cover themselves in glory. I don't know if I would follow those guys either. It's I might true. Follow Mr. San- I would follow San- Mr. Santee because, like, he seemed to have his shit together. There Ever was a coolness about... Like, Daniel Boone. Yeah, he seemed comfortable. The Daniel yeah. Boone cosplayer I was not into. He was no, hitting he on the... He did not instill confidence in the people who were meant to follow him. There was at least a kind of quiet resolve with Mr. Santee that, like, I would like to divorce it from, like, the sort of mysticism that they imparted onto him and the very much, like, let's make you our token indigenous person in this movie. But he just flat out seemed to be more comfortable in nature. He did, however, give some weird parenting advice. When he was talking to the Beverly Hills mom about how, like, it's really hard being a single mother, and he shared an anecdote for, like, you know, he's trying to counsel her, you know, because he's he's made a bit of a connection with the boy. He's trying to counsel her on, like, what she could do. And he explains that, like, his own dad, like, left the reservation, took them with him, changed their name. Like, he didn't realize that his real name was Santee until he was older and he reconnected with his heritage and with his roots. And he's like, you're waiting for, you know, you're waiting for your husband to raise him. Like, you have to raise him. And it was just very much this sort of thing of, like, listen, ma'am, like, it sounds like dad's not going to be involved and like that is an unfortunate reality this woman has to embrace. But there was very much just like a sort of stop complaining and just be a single mom thing that was like, well, I mean, she does get to be overwhelmed, Mr. Santee. She is a bit reactionary. She's entirely out of her element. But I think you're putting a little too much on her right now. Of like, I don't, I don't, ma'am, I don't know why you expect this person to help raise his son because it's on you. It's like, I think she gets to be upset about that. Oh, yeah. I definitely think, like, I did feel a little dismissive of what yeah, was an otherwise fair. Like, and her child also seemed a little feral. Um, yeah. so, you know. He was a pretty good disaster movie kid. I liked the son. Yeah. I, he was, he just, he, he seemed a little, like, I am against any child who throws rocks in nature. I just, yeah, no, that was bad. Like, that was very bad. That's. But that's also a teenage boy thing. Like, yeah. everything about him was just, like, was just preteen boy. Um, yeah. Which is oh. just because preteen boys are hellions. Like, this is... Terrible. His child... The child is feral because any, te- like, boy between the ages of 8 and 17 is feral. Yeah, that's just it what it is. Matter. It um, doesn't matter if they're being raised in Beverly yeah. Hills. It doesn't. Yeah. Like, at the end, when, he, when his mom is standing over Leslie Nielsen with holding a rock, and yes. Leslie Nielsen is yelling, kill me, do it. And she's trying to decide whether or not to kill him. I was like, I don't know that she's infected with space rabies. But the son standing behind her yelling, kill her, kill him, kill him, mom, do it. Yeah, so like That yeah. kid is definitely not infected with space rabies. That is just what a teenage boy would do. That's just a teenage boy. Yeah, I completely Yeah, that's agree. just a teenage boy. He was a very um, authentic feeling teenage boy. Yeah. But I felt bad for I felt bad for the mom because clearly like the, son, the dad wasn't around. Yeah, he hadn't been around prior. We get that information about how he's at some sort of a, a par- he's probably at a Beverly Hills party doing his dealings and it's like yeah, okay. doing making another deal it's like, deal agent. Like, I was like studio he, head agent. What are we talking about? Uh, three parentheses Jew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but clearly the dad wasn't around regardless. I appreciated that 
he was that Santi was like giving her the pep talk of it can I did be like, done without him. And I did but, like I did like that he was like he's his own person. Let him be that. I was like, that's actually I really was good. Hoping for something between him and the mom, honestly. I was, I was too. really. I was hoping for it. I was hoping that he would teach her that, like, he would teach her how to how to love again. He would make her feel like a woman. Like that's what I wanted <laughs> from them. Way more because I know that we had like our little sub sub romance between shitty Daniel Boone yeah. and <laughs> reporter the journalist. and the reporter lady. Yeah, yeah, lady lady reporter. Yeah, <laughs> lady reporter um, who who is in a very smart. Ever really learn suit. about her? Khaki suit, head yeah, to toe. In, Gotta say, no one was dressed prepared for this. I mean, no. the the giant lapel walking suit that the Beverly Hills mom was wearing. Yeah, like no one. There was one of the one of the young women because there's like two young couples on this, and one of them, and I don't remember which, was wearing like platform wooden platform clogs. Yeah, yeah. A, a it chunky, was, they were chunky cool looking clog. Yeah, they were. I mean, they looked great. Yeah, that was Not, what girl, when like the seventies were having a resurgence yeah. in like our high school age. That's what cool girls in my high school wore at school, not in PE or out playing sports. Yeah, no, you wouldn't, Jordan. You'll wear flip flops pretty much anywhere, but I yes. don't think you would wear chunky soled clogs to I go hiking through the Sierras. No, I would. I would not have done that if I needed to be airlifted in somewhere, which they needed to be dropped off via helicopter. I would definitely not be wearing. And I say that as somebody who did wear flip-flops accidentally to skydiving and ended up having yeah. to be barefoot flying through the sky. I Just understand. That you barefoot skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the list of things that. Amanda would never do. That barefoot skydiving. <laughs> yeah, really, like, hold on. We can amend that oh, skydiving. We can yeah. just amend. Like we can just cut that. We don't need it. We don't need an adjective. We don't need a qualifier. To, yeah, but definitely would not be doing it barefoot. Like <laughs> if you're like Amanda, you have to skydive and you can't wear one item of clothing. <laughs> I think I would forego the shirt before I for went foregone forgoed <laughs> the shoes. Really, you would have opted like, you know for. What? Opted for bra only instead of no, I instead of do, bare feet. I would, do, I would do tits out before <laughs> I would do bare feet. What a declaration. That would be a quite the tandem drop right there. I mean, yeah, I would, I would hope that I would have a, a, a proper supportive bra to keep them strapped in place. But I think that, I think that I would def, I think that I would feel somehow more vulnerable without shoes on than I would without a shirt on I really think so yeah I think that's I think that's the thing I just learned about myself Amanda does look very deliberate in this answer like her face is very contemplative right now she is yeah. searching to make sure that this is actually yeah you know actually that is how I yeah. feel uh-huh no this isn't like oh this is a bit we planned no, out this like is no frivolous. I'm really thinking about this for the first time and yeah I think I think if I had a skydive like I'd want my pants still on because I don't want to die without pants on <laughs> but you're fine dying possible breasts exposed as opposed I mean, to like toes. one they look great two <laughs> sure um yeah but two yeah I just think that I would be I think that I would rather have well one I'd rather have my pants on and I just again I I feel like there's something vulnerable in not having your shoes on when you're <laughs> plummeting from the sky 
I, I I like now when I see like if I'm gonna watch like a, a horror movie where there's like a woman unnecessarily topless when she's dead, I'm gonna be like, well, I guess Amanda would have opted for that if she had shoes on. Uh, uh, not necessarily in every circumstance. <laughs> okay. Okay. Probably, fair. Probably probably over most. Okay. Like I would take off my shoes to run from dinosaurs. Like in Jurassic World, I think that's bullshit that she didn't oh. take off her shoes to run from the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But I also think that that's a flaw because if she was going to be going out in the field anyway, she should have had practical shoes. Yeah, 100%. That's like, I think that's why that's part of, that's one of the many reasons I'll never watch Jurassic World. But um, <laughs> but in that case, like the idea of being barefoot does feel very vulnerable. Well, and, and that is, and, and, and further, and, and, and tying it back to Day of the Animals. Yeah, sorry, and we're just, I'm so be, in my own No, I, I was leading it just as much as, we were, we were together on this one. But it was, every one of these people knew what they were in for. I didn't yeah. know what I was in for. I didn't expect to skydive. It was a last-minute decision. If I had known I was skydiving, I would have worn fucking boots. Like, I would have, I yeah, would have been ready. You would have been These people before. knew. These people knew exactly what they were going in for. And it was like, I would like to be up in these mountains, airlift in and out. And definitely like to be wearing my chunky, fashionable clog. Yeah. Or, or my, 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 pre- my nicely pressed, starched pink blouse with the <laughs> khaki over jacket that the mom was wearing. Or the matching <laughs> khaki suit sexy reporter lady was wearing. Who, by the way, the only thing we ever learn about her is how she got involved in, um, how she got involved in journalism in the first place. Which was, quote, I had an affair with a journalism professor. The affair was a dud, but the course was terrific. Adding to, the, adding to the long history of journalists fucking their way through the industry and cinema. Yeah. Thank you very much, Hollywood. Just Thank you very good much. Job. <laughs> I, everything about that was just like, yep, that that is that is horrible. That is just deeply horrible. Um, <laughs> and that was all part of her like ongoing flirtation push pull with the guide with the, the with the main guide because like she would reject him sexually and then she'd say <laughs> things like that and then he'd suggest be like well i'm gonna be taking offering a course in outdoor survival skills soon and she'd be like i'm done taking classes <laughs> what do you what and do you it, think is happening here like and for believability not that, not that you're I was a for believability. I will say the the journalists, uh, the journalists, uh, women journalists, fucking their way through the industry. Got to tell you guys, not really accurate. Not really no. accurate. Aaron Beaver will please. confirm. Jordan, Jordan please, we know it's about. a ruse. We know it's we a ruse. We know. We know that this whole "I hate men" thing is just an act you put on to hide the fact that you are. I am a praying mantis. I am. It's true. Amanda yeah. has unmasked me today. It's the Scooby Gang, and here I am sitting Sorry, before you guys. <laughs> Sorry, turns, everybody. Turns out, turns out that I'm I'm not the only aggressively aggressively heterosexual straight woman sexual woman on this podcast. <laughs> Jordan Maneater Cruciola. Oh yeah, I was gonna say no. The the gag is is that it's actually flipped and you are the asexual on the podcast. I am. I this is all an act I put on. Didn't I do a good job? Does everyone believe me? <laughs> Didn't I do a good job? Um, I mean, do we do we feel like? Have we covered the resolution of this movie? Like, have we fully conveyed that, like, once our small team of survivors makes it... Again, shouts out yeah. one more time to the dog handlers on this movie. Oh, and my the, God. The climactic, the climactic animal V-man showdown that is human versus domesticated animal, domesticated dog, where just 
a cascading, a seemingly endless number of German shepherds. Where the fuck did all the German shepherds come from? All of them are German shepherds. All of them apparently local. All of them have made their way up this mountain and they are going to attack these people. And there is a scene in which they, they, the, the band of Daniel Boone and, and Daniel San, or the fake Daniel Boone and Santee and the reporter woman and a couple others have ended up in a kind of abandoned camp area. And they, they have to close themselves into like a little tiny cabin and shove like whatever spare planks of wood they can find up against windows and doors because a million dogs are trying to tear through the walls of this thing and eat them alive. And eventually they, the dogs went out and get in and then it is a prolonged canine attack on everybody in the room besides the woman. They don't touch the woman. And it is, it is a savage sight to behold. And then the dogs chase them. It looked good. And there's so many German shepherds, which was like, there's so, so many. many more than you would. It was like every police dog in the Kern <laughs> yeah. County area. And then they chase them and then they end up on a raft and the dogs just hang out on the raft, like very good boys. And yeah, it was an impressive bit of handler work. Like the, whoever, the, whoever the dog stunt person was, did a great job with training those dogs to be like totally fine with dogs. These dogs go over rapids on a raft. <laughs> yeah. It was really again, cool looking. And again, the dogs don't know they're acting. Yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just going over rapids on a wooden raft with people swinging yeah. at them. Yeah. It was it was wild. That was that's that as a set piece was really amazing. Um, you know what we haven't talked about from the conclusion or from like the entire subplot huh. is that weird mute child and oh and the weird and the overly attached grown man. Yeah, there is the our main campers stumble upon an empty campsite that they're like, huh, that's weird. And it obviously turns out eventually that everybody else who was a part of that campsite has probably been killed. And the only one left alive is a little girl who this man she's the finds. the creepiest fucking little girl. Yeah, she's so a creepy. scary child. She was She's like a ghost kid in a horror movie. And there is, after his girlfriend is killed by birds who don't eat her alive, but kind of drag her body, drag her over a cliff, causing her to fall to her death. Um, yeah. He finds this child and instantly becomes her father. He he starts calling her baby. He just <laughs> yeah. becomes super attached to her. It's weird. It's kind of unsettling. Um, yeah. He kisses her on the cheek before he leaves at one point. I yeah. had to rewind to be like, wait, what What did he just, because I honestly, I had a brief moment where I was like, did he just kiss that child on the mouth? Like, I, <laughs> it, was, it was weird and unsettling and I didn't like any of it. Um, but I did really enjoy the fact, so he, they, like at every turn, they're trying to get into, they finally get into town. He's going to protect her. He's going to save her. The yeah. car doesn't work. The car is filled with snakes. Everyone's dead. Everyone's dead. He gets into another car and then he's like, I got to go get something out of that car. Yeah. So no matter what happens, just you stay here. And you think that he's going to make it like partway, grab it, have the moment of victory and then uh -huh, be attacked. Uh -huh. Yeah. But no, he steps out of the car and is immediately savaged. Yeah. Like just He's destroyed. bitten by snakes. He's bitten by snakes and attacked by a dog at the same time. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's and it's this prolonged. It is like the the moment in Volcano when he's <laughs> John when he's melting and you're just like the scene is still going. He <laughs> is just destroyed by snakes and dog for several it feels like several minutes while we keep cutting back to this very distressed child. Yeah, watching. just watching him be be eaten alive, killed yeah. by animals. 
she's she's never going to recover. <laughs> no, this there is no good outcome for this child. Not in 1977. There's no, no there's no healing therapy in 1977 no. that's going to get this kid whole like working again. Yeah. No, there is not. There and, really is not. And it is it is once our like we have the big raft moment. We have uh the we have the um the Beverly Hills woman and her son and the almost rape victim of Leslie Nielsen, who has escaped his clutches before he was mauled to death by a bear. They have taken shelter in the downed helicopter. They come out in the morning. They realize the animals are dead. Our other heroes wake up on the raft. They're going to be rescued by men in hazmat suits, which is then where we, where it is revealed that it was space rabies the whole time. And one of the guys says like, and we hear them talking and they're like, well, like it, there something comes through the radio that explains that hole in the ozone layer that was the problem. Well, it's passed by and it's repairing itself. So everything's yeah. fine again. A- everything is resolved. But one of the guys in the hazmat suit says like, you know, if that had kept on going, like there'd be nothing left. Like, thank God that stopped because like we, we couldn't do anything about it. There would be nothing left. So then we arrive at the very unsatisfying conclusion of this movie, which is that, Actually, environmentalism will solve itself, but still care because bad things will happen. I was like, this is a bullshit cop out. This is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is. Oh, well, at least the problem solved itself in like 72 hours. And I know the message was like, but what could happen? What if? It's like, well, yeah, but why did you solve the problem for everybody and make them think like, wow, at least it'll only be a long weekend of discomfort. (laughs) Like, yeah, I love I love that phrasing. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. I I wanted it to be like and then at the end we pull back and like there's a lion sitting behind a car and it's their world now. Like, yeah, I didn't want I didn't want any of them to make it out alive as much as. I was going to be sad if, if Danny Santee died because I liked him. But otherwise, yeah. I was like, no, you can all you can all be sacrificed at the altar of Mother Nature. I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I totally thought because the Beverly Hills mom started sharing her life story with Daniel Santee that she was going to die. I was like, oh, well, she's going to get eaten alive. Like, she's going to have a great act of courage and, and protect her son and give her own life. I can't believe they actually let her live. I was shocked by that. Well, yeah, because someone has to raise the kid. It's true. His father's not going to do yeah. it. His father's not going to do it. So, and, and it's not like <laughs> Sant- Dan- It's not like Daniel Santee was going to like adopt him at the end. That wasn't going to be a possibility. So, I, I, I was worried that we were going to lose her because, in spite of myself, I did kind of like her. But no, I, I was also fairly sure being an overwhelmed single mom. Yeah, but I, I could see this movie doing that, and I was waiting for her to be punished for it, just like yes. how the woman. Just like how that woman died by bird attack right after saying, I actually hate you to her, to her husband. Yeah. And being like, you don't make like, time for us in our marriage. Yeah. yeah she was very she, much punished. She found like and wife. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, and when she yelled, I actually, I, I, I actually hate you. And I was like, oh, I, I like you. Yeah. I liked let's her so the, much. Let's hang out with you. And then she got attacked <laughs> by birds. <laughs> that she got attacked by birds. Yeah. So does that bring us to then what was this movie really about? Yeah, and I think you kind of you hit on some of it. The fact that you felt like it was a cop out, that you felt like there was a a a passed over sort of sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think this is wish fulfillment, um, and not in the we will all be punished kind of way. I think this is wish fulfillment in the everything is going to be okay kind of way. Um, this isn't yep. really our fault. Yeah. I felt like there was a real undercurrent of none of this is our fault. 
Um, whether it was the fact that, yeah, the, the animals had space rabies. It wasn't yeah. a concerted attack. Yeah. Um, that was something I thought the fact that like that only some people were affected, not everybody, yeah. that there were some, some good people ultimately who were left unaffected by the, by the radiation that they, yeah. that they didn't experience space rabies was like, Oh, okay. Those people get a pass. Those people don't have to worry about the effects of it. Yeah. Um, all of that felt very to me like, yeah, like it was this sort of a, we're all gonna, we're gonna be okay. This is a thing that could happen, but also it won't be that bad if it does happen. And yep. that, that surprised me a little bit, um, ultimately, but I did, uh, there was something else about it that I was like, oh yeah, this is, oh, it, it was the fact that, that that's what drove Leslie Nielsen's character to the point of threatening rape. I was like, oh yeah, yeah because like Jordan going off of your point of like, Oh, I totally believe that he would do it. Yeah. There was to me that aspect of it. I was like, Oh yeah. Because a grown man would never otherwise threaten to rape a woman. It has yeah. to be space rabies. It all felt, yeah. Very wish fulfillmenty and of like, well, no matter what we do to damage the earth, it'll heal itself. And it won't be that it'll be 72 yeah. hours and it won't be actually that bad. Yeah. All of that to me felt. So I think what this was really about was it's our fault, but, not really our fault. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, and to that yeah. I say, it's an. I'm sorry you feel that you, way. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but fuck you. It is our fault, and it is that bad. And um, we, the the ozone layer is gonna is like did, it did not in fact in 1977 heal itself. No, it did not. And and no matter how much you want to pretend that it might, like no, you got to stop using things that have CF. Was it CFCs or CLCs yeah, or fluorocarbons? Yeah, you just have to, you, no matter how much you hope that magically it's going to fix itself, it ain't. Yeah, um, but it did really to me. Yeah, that was this was a movie about a little bit about eschewing blame. Jordan, yeah. what do you think this movie's about? No, I that's I, I think that's exactly I think it's exactly the same thing. I think this is a movie about well, but you you can't. There's nothing you can do. Like, the problem yeah. is so big that really there's nothing you can do to solve it. But fortunately, it's going to sort itself out. So don't worry. You don't have to sacrifice any of your conveniences to be a part of the solution. Because even as bad as it gets, nature is a big and mighty thing. The earth is a big and mighty thing. And it will repair itself. And we can just absolve ourselves of culpability when we do really bad things. Because it's space, it's space rabies. Because it's radiation that is turning us into malign, turning us into malevolent, malevolent actors. And like for a movie that was as sort of vicious in its presentation with the animal attacks and clearly seeing what it was trying to get at, it undermined its entire point in the end and was ultimately yeah. like, let's take all the responsibility off of our shoulders as people to act and take care of one another, even though people who go nuts and, you know, break the social contract are going to be punished in the end. It just let everybody off the hook too easy. Like you said, I wanted, I wanted a a, li a mountain lion on a crest lording over the kingdom yeah. it now ruled, and this movie just copped out from that. Yeah, it just it pulled its punches at the end, and I was so bummed about that. Like, give me, give me vengeance, give me, give me the vengeance seeking that you get from a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, make this a nature, make this more a a nature horror movie. Where the killer wins in the end, man. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, again, the 
I, there's that show Zoo, which I don't know. Oh, yeah. At some point, I would love for us to figure out a way to, I don't know if it's a Patreon or a what, but like there's so many mini series and TV shows that I think would be really fun for us to cover. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love to be able to explore those further. And that's a really good example of one that I'd love to go and take a look at is, is Zoo. Were they coordinated animals? I don't know. I've never watched it. I had no interest at the time. <laughs> um, which was a mistake on my part, I feel like now. But yeah, is it, we needed animal coordination. We needed vengeance seekers. And we did not get that because apparently none of this is actually our fault. <laughs> now, do you then, do you have a dream casting for this? No, because I think you'd have to overhaul it so much. Um, yeah. Only if dream casting is like, it, it would be, I'm not dream casting. It's a rewrite for me. And the rewrite is, I would rewrite it to have the animals conspiring. And at the end, you know, they would find some sort of a, what they would think is a cure. And then we would cut to a zoo and yeah. crawling out from the shadows is a three-legged alligator. <laughs> and like a slow smile would spread across Mooja's face. And then we cut to right. black. Yeah. So I so would, yeah, I, I, I too, I too would overhaul and yeah. it would, it would end with no survivors, but for the animals and the entire cast would be, uh, YouTube stars and it would be it, it would be a a melting pot of problematic YouTube stars yeah so Jake it's Paul, got Mr. it's bear oh it's Jake Paul it's Logan Paul it is Jeffree Star fuck let's put Toddy Westbrook in here let's put Shane Dawson in this thing let's put Tana Mojo Tana Mojo in for some spice let's just let's just put call the drama channels, call the YT drama channels for the most beef. And then that condensed 12 people is our cast. I want Ooh, that. Let's, let's do a, uh, and it's in, it's in Calabasas. Trials. Yes. Calabasas mountains. You can still have most of the same animals. Yeah, you and can. Then, yeah. Found, found footage style. And yeah. then just, you know, I would, Jordan, I would like and subscribe to that. <laughs> share it like it hit that like and subscribe button um yeah that would important be important question though would you add brie larson who is now a youtuber to that what a twist that is no brie brie is the sole survivor living in harmony with the animals uh <laughs> in grand tetons where she now rock climbs uh, Brie Larson is like basically fucking Snow White with birds landing on her fingers and they're singing songs together and she's sure. playing them, she's playing them music on her acoustic guitar and still making YouTube videos but with her new animal companions so that that would be my dream casting and honestly I think that would be a crowd pleaser I, I would watch it Battle Royale animals versus YouTubers no survivors I'm in I would I mean, just, just to watch the Paul brothers bite it alone. <laughs> yeah. Logan Paul the other day tweeted out, like, about how he wanted to wrestle someone, challenge someone to wrestling. Yeah, they and, do love, love, like, boxing and MMA. Yeah, and I, there's a comic who I used to, who I used to stand up with who's, like, actually a comic now, like, as opposed to what I was, which was not a comic. <laughs> um, and he's, like, a real, like, an actual stand-up comic now. Yeah. And he tweeted about it, and I was like, I, please, 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 please. Please, I want to see. What, I want to see what Logan Paul looks like when he cries. Yeah, let's. Put I want to see the ring with Brock Lesnar, and let's see how it goes. Yeah, let's go. Like, <laughs> I wanna, so yeah, I want to see the Paul brothers get taken down by by bears. 
<laughs> yeah, and then at the end, the bears move into their mansions. Yes. Yeah, and this works out. Bear tube. I love this. <laughs> and now, All right, so Jordan, yeah. How many towering infernos are you giving this one? You know, I had a really good time watching this. I will give it three. The ending really shot itself. It could have gone higher for me, but I really liked the. It was so aggressively seventies. It was so of its time. It it really. I found it. It was exactly as satisfying, but for the conclusion, as I wanted it to be as an archetype, as an artifact of its era. So I'm going to go three and say shame yeah. on them for the ending. That was a hundred. That's where I was as well. I'm in total agreement on this. I was going three. It was deeply like it was fine. It was deeply average to me in a lot of ways. This the practical effects stepped it up a notch, but so much of it because they failed to stick the landing. Yeah, just and because like there really weren't characters, and that kind of got to me too. Um, yeah, they're like we were told we were told who they are, and then that was kind of it. And I was like, no, I wanted I wanted more from them. Like if you're gonna give me Leslie Nielsen, give me Leslie, give me more, give me like more of that. But yeah, it was it's a three for me. It just it could have it could have done more. Yeah, it could have. But what does so what then uh what do we have on deck uh for next episode? This will be I feel like this is a very exciting a very exciting selection. I am super amped about this um because we have our first uh kaiju situation. Woohoo! About yeah, time. Kaiju. So uh we will be joined next week by Latoya Ferguson who is LA Ferg's on Twitter. Um a writer, editor and um just general all around sort of pop culture person um and she will be joining us to talk about cloverfield i am so excited i am so excited to be talking about i'm so excited so excited to be talking about this movie i am so excited to be talking to latoya about it specifically because i first connected with latoya really on twitter um over the show blind spot uh which we both love brand for both of you and i think I let me confirm the title of the the sort of real I'm going to say definitive piece that she wrote about Blind Spot and I believe it was Blind Spot is the procedural that fucks that and she's a lot right. like the sentence she would write yeah 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 I I think that is I I think that is on record I would yes PSA NBC's blind spot is the procedural that fucks. Yeah. And you know what? If you're in the mood for some quarantine, uh, weirdly enjoyable television that is very easy to process and digest, uh, watch Blind Spot. It gets really aware of its own absurdity in the second season. And kind of, if you're a Pretty Little Liars fan, I feel like you'll appreciate this too, kind of turns into a, like, a big inside joke with the people who have been following along. And like, what a delight that is. Mm. So I she give, also, it, give it a She, she uh, covered all of uh, Doom Patrol season two uh, yes. for, for uh, Vulture, which I very yes. much enjoyed. Yeah, and I believe she, I believe she is signed on to continue doing that job for Vulture as well. Mm-hmm. So really, hit up the coverage of Doom Patrol and of Blind Spot mm. for Latoya Ferguson. She has gotten the cosign from Blind Spot's creator for her assertion that it is indeed the procedural that fucks. <laughs> it is the procedural. Look, when you have a woman crawling out of a duffel bag covered in tattoos and totally naked, only tattoos. there's only one direction. Only tattoos. Only, 
Yeah, only tattoos, totally naked. The only direction that you can go in is toward fucking. Yeah, I mean, especially when that woman is Lady Sif of the Warriors 3 from the from Asgard and the Thor movies. Come on. Yeah, come on. Crowd pleasing. So yes, that's um, next. So you can so you can watch it. That is available for rent on Amazon. It's available for rent on iTunes. Um, so it's it's streaming rented in lots of places. If you happen to have a Showtime subscription, it is oh yeah as part of that service. Thank you, Jordan. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's on Showtime. Also so notable, it is the back. directorial debut of Matt Reeves of the uh, uh, Planet of the Apes franchise, the new Batman movie. Like it's a it's a relevant mm-hmm. piece of work. Honestly, I think this is just a this is a clicky kind of episode. It's you know people yeah, are gonna and be, you know. Buzzfeeding it shouts, up. Shouts out to Matt Reeves for directing one of the most critically hailed trilogies of all time that absolutely made no cultural impact and no one gives a shit about. Insane. But that is really good. Yeah. In the Planet yeah. of the Apes, there was there was no conversation, yep. really, in the in the greater cultural ether about the Planet of the Apes, despite the fact that Matt Reeves, one after the other, mm-hmm. rebooted one of the most sort of like iconic film franchises of all time and yeah. inarguably made one after the other great installments of the of that series. War for the great Planet job. of the Apes also is one of my favorite Also a franchise that otherwise is not a very good franchise. Like the, uh, yeah. the first Planet of the Apes is very good. When you get into all the other Planet of the Apes from yeah, the original it, it, flavors, it's, it's a not, they didn't get better. No, Yeah, especially by the time you get to the Tim Burton one. No, no. Oh, God. but he did that. Matt Reeves did that, and oh, yeah. and yeah. I'm looking forward to talking about the creature design of the Cloverfield Monster as well as I as I have interviewed the creature designer for that, yeah. the Neville Page, and he shared with me some right. what I think are very very cool facts and insights about his approach to creating that monster. Yeah, if you slept on so Cloverfield we'll back, back in the day that. because It'll of the be found cool. footage, then you, you gotta you, you owe it to yourself to revisit. Yeah, get on that. Get on that right now. Yeah, or if you were like me, where you had to be assured multiple times by somebody who worked on the film that no, it didn't involve aliens. <laughs> it doesn't technically involve aliens, so you can Not watch te- it. Yeah. Not technically. And so now time, now that brings to the roll call, Amanda? Yes. Yeah. So Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at J-O-R-C-R-U, and you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Cruciola, where you can find me most recently talking about the movie uh, BlackRock, directed by Katie Asselton, written by Mark Duplass, and then a also a, a new tribute to the influential power of Joel Schumacher's Flatliners and me arguing that it was truly the blueprint for the millennium-era horror boom that happened around the year 2000. Wowie. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I haven't read that one yet, but I really liked the picture that came attached to it. Great picture. By the way, the picture is an excerpt from the movie The Covenant starring uh, very muscly boys who are just friends and they're all witches living in a New England town. Oh my God! That's what that was. Yes. Oh wow! I thought that this, I was. I thought that was something from Flatliners, and I was like, I didn't know that Flatliners involved a swim team with really revealing speedos. <laughs> no, no, that is the Covenant 2006 classic. Okay, love it. I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> um, so, Jason. It just there was it was a lot of really low slung suits. Um, yes. Jason, where can we find you? Y'all can find me at Jason Halftones on any social media site. Okay, anything that you want to promote? I don't know, drawings. I got comic stuff that I'm doing, whatever. Just go check it out. You'll see some stuff. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm Amanda R. Tubbs, and that's Tubbs with two Bs. Two Bs. Um, Two Bs! Bs. 
And what am I promoting? I am promoting, I guess, yeah, if you haven't already, I have a book of weird microfiction about a baseball player who time travels and fights Nazis. I love uh, the idea of microfiction. Well, it's 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 a it, classic that's exactly way of saying is. I that I turn exactly my tweets is. into into joke into book, because <laughs> um, it's microfiction. So yeah. go take a look at that, and um, I think that's the only thing that I have that I can possibly promote in my life at this point. Right. Um, and then podcast we are disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail dot com. If you haven't already, please rate, review, subscribe, do all the things. Talk about us with your friends, family, and loved ones. And uh, do it. Yeah, let's go, guys. We'll see you all back next week for Cloverfield. Yeah, see you for that blockbuster stuff. Bye. <laughs> all right, bye. bye. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>